Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Before the band leaves, um, you know, we are incredibly blessed with an amazing worship team, aren't we? I don't want to, Leona, don't leave yet. (laughs) So this is uh, Leona Mixon. And uh, Leona, she, she doesn't like this. And you know what? I don't care. And, uh, but she has retired from a staff position. She's been on staff, and many of you didn't even know that, for 25 years, two, two and a half decades, um, a quarter of a century, one-fortieth of a millennium. I told her I was going to make her feel really old. But anyway, Leona does things that you, you don't even see. She does things that you see and don't realize she's the one that did it. And, and so we're just so thankful. And, of course, she's not going anywhere because we won't let her. And uh, so she still serves as volunteer. But, Leona, you're well-loved, and, and we're, we appreciate you. So God bless you. All right. Well, I'm thankful for that. Hey, um, before I forget, the, the Plan Ahead seminar that is the church is putting on, don't think that that's for senior adults. I mean, if you're in your 20s and you're married, you need to be thinking about some things there. I'm amazed how often I do funerals and only to find out there was no will. And it breaks my heart because it takes a really sad situation, you know, the death of a loved one, that just became very complicated because there was no will. And you're never too old to have a will. And so we've put together some experts in our church because, you know, I consider myself a semi-intelligent person, but I read legal stuff. It makes no sense to me. I read financial stuff. It makes no sense to me. I read social security stuff. It makes no sense to me. So I want to hear from the person who knows. I want to hear from the experts. And that's what we've done. We put those people together. It doesn't cost you a thing. So take advantage of that. And sign up for it out in the foyer after the service. So I hope you take advantage of that. Last week, I gave you my uh, top 10 pet peeve list. And lo and behold, I've got to add some more to it. And I put it under the category of just, you know, I hate even calling them TV evangelist because that's um, a misrepresentation of the word evangelist. (coughs) They... uh, there's a certain crowd of them. They teach a false gospel. And, uh, and it's so obvious that they're in it for the resources, for the money. But this past week, two of them just really got my attention. And, uh, and I checked up on it to make sure what I was reading was accurate. And I saw the videos where they actually did say it. One, one believed, he taught, he teaches, which is false, that if... Um, that one of the things that when Jesus is going to come back is when Christians are all out of money. I'm sitting there going, seriously? And so his, his statement was, so if you send money to my ministry, you will accelerate Jesus coming back. I said, oh, wow, why didn't I think about that? 
And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, that is just heresy. So these are false teachers. He even made the statement. He said, now, I get criticized for having a private jet, but, you know, when the rapture comes, you can have my jet. And I'm sitting there going, no, you're probably still going to need it. <laughs> and, and then the other one, um, he went on this whole thing about he believed that the vaccination is the mark of the beast and he just cannot fly commercially because he'll be on a plane full of demons. And so he needs a private jet in order to be able to fly around and, and not have to get the vaccination because that's the mark of the beast. And, and so he was raising money to get a, a jet but he f didn't tell you he already had three jets and a private airport. And he bought, he bought uh, Tyler Perry's Gulfstream 5, which is, you know, a $60 million plane. And it wasn't good enough. He had to spend two, over $2 million upgrading it, you know. And, uh, but he needed a fourth jet. I, I'm just sitting there going, these are just false teachers. And Jesus talked about that, you know, and almost could say anti-Christ. Because if you're not teaching the real gospel, you're teaching an anti-gospel. And, and so there's, there's this thing that they try to offer you that they can't give to you. Just like the world tries to offer to you peace, but it cannot give it to you. And, uh, and so I want to talk about how we can have real peace, because there's a lot of fake peace out there. Uh, I want you to see this picture. This picture is from an art show. Not, not the podium, but what's sitting on the podium. There's an Italian artist, and this is just recent. This Italian artist created this piece of art that's sitting on the, the podium. There's nothing there. And it's an art of nothing. He said, well, I don't consider it nothing. It's more like a vacuum. And I'm sitting here, well, a vacuum's a whole lot of nothing. And this guy who had a whole not lot of nothing on a podium sold it for $8,300. Can you imagine spending that kind of money on nothing? Did y'all see this? <laughs> Half price. <laughs> so listen, the world is trying to sell us something that does not exist. And that's peace. Their peace. It just doesn't exist. Real peace comes from God himself. And, you know, I'm amazed at just what people will fall for. And people fall for the world's illusion of peace all the time. When God, well, let's look at what God says. Back in Isaiah 59, he was given a warning to sinners. And here's what he said. He said, they don't know where to find peace. There you go. You don't, need, you don't even know where to find it. Or what it means to be just and good. They, they have mapped out crooked roads. Whereas Jesus' road is straight and narrow. 
And, he's, and, then, and then God says, and no one who follows them, no one who follows these people who plan out these, ride out these crooked roads, knows a moment's peace. So if you think giving a TV hustler money for his jet is going to give you any kind of peace, you'll not know a moment of peace. In, in Galatians chapter 5, very familiar verse talking about the fruit of the Spirit, said the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace. Each of these elements that are all listed there, patience, goodness, kindness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these are all fruit of the Holy Spirit. So that tells me I cannot get it anywhere else. I I cannot manufacture peace within myself. Even, Even as a believer, it comes from the Holy Spirit who Jesus said, when you pray to receive Christ, I'm putting the Holy Spirit in you. And my spirit is going to live in you. And, and he's going to produce peace in you. Peace that comes from any place else is fake. It's just an empty podium with nothing there. So how, how do I have real peace? You know, I, I titled it, Can I Have Real Peace? Well, the answer is yes. So how do I have real peace? Well, first of all, you can have peace with God. Now, that's spiritual peace. Peace with God. In Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, you have been made right, I've been made right in God's sight by faith. The only part I have anything to do with this salvation experience is I choose to believe. That's the only part you have to do is have faith. We have peace with God. Why? Because what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Not because of you, not because you sent money to somebody on TV, uh, because of what Jesus did. That's how you have real peace. And so I have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Now, there's lies of Satan And um, one of the lies that Satan, that many people have bought into, is that you're too far gone to experience this peace. Uh, He loves to tell people that. Now, I know a lot of your stories, and some of you are far away from God, and you and you know it. And and praise Jesus, you you opened your heart to Jesus. But I. In knowing your story, I know some of you were at that place, you thought you were, it was too late, you were too far gone, that there was no way God would forgive you. Well, that's just a lie of the evil one. He loves to tell that lie. So listen to what Colossians says about that. He said, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. That's how far away from God you were. He called you an enemy. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet, now you have, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. 
God took all the steps. He reconciled you, which means made right. He made you right with himself because of the death of Jesus. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Man, there's no peace that can compare to that. And you are, oh, wow, look at this. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault? Praise God. I, I mean, that's what Jesus did for you and me. He, he allowed us to have peace with God, which means there's no fault in us. All of our sins have been forgiven, even those future ones. Now, that didn't give you a free ticket to go do what you want because you know you're forgiven. That'll rob you of your joy. That's a whole nother discussion. So there's peace with God. Now, here's what happens when I have peace with God. Something is removed from me, and that's my fear of God's wrath for me. And see, before I became a believer, I had something to be afraid of, and that was God's wrath. Here's what Jesus said in John 3. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So peace with God removes that angry judgment of God. And I, for one, am thrilled with that one. Praise God. I mean, if you think you could withstand the angry judgment and wrath of God, there's no way. Hell will be proof of that. First Thessalonians says, for God chose to save us through, the, through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. God wants to save you. Salvation is for everyone, and he does that because he does not want to pour out his anger upon you because he knows you will not survive it. And you will live in that wrath of God's anger for eternity. And he does not want that for you. In Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If that doesn't make you worship the Lord, I'm not sure what will. So there's peace with God. And when you pray to receive Christ, even if you don't feel it, because it's not an emotion, it is a, it is a fact that you have peace with God. It's a covenant. But then there's peace of God. That's that everyday peace. I have eternal peace. Now there's this everyday peace. That's a little different. And, um, and people struggle with this one. So it's, I, I can have those moments when I, I'm just not living the way I should. And so I struggle with my peace of God, my everyday peace. And, and so here's the deal. 
You cannot have peace of God until you have peace with God. So it begins with the salvation, peace with God. Things have been made right between you and God. Then you can experience that everyday peace. And then this is where we struggle. Again, Jesus in John 14 said, I'm, I'm leaving you with the gift. So this is a personal gift from Jesus to you as a believer. Peace of mind and peace of heart. Peace of heart, that's the emotional part. He, he gives you a peace in your emotions. That's how you deal with fear, anxiousness, worry. And then peace of mind, it's, it's, a, it's a factual thing. That's how you have peace in the choices you make, the decisions you make, the choosing to follow his path for you. So he gives you a peace of mind, a peace of heart. And then he goes on to say, he says, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. And he says, so because of this, don't be troubled or afraid. So don't be troubled or afraid. You know, he, he's talking about some emotions there that we do struggle with, right? Even as a believer, don't you have times you feel troubled and you are afraid, right? So it's a choice. So here's what I think Jesus is suggesting to us. Hey, when you feel troubled and you feel afraid, go back to that peace of mind and that peace of heart that I've given you and you'll overcome that, those feelings of troubleness and those fears. In fact, I need to even just take it out of my vocabulary. I need to quit using words like worry. I'm just so worried. Well, that didn't come from God. I, I'm just, I'm afraid of what might happen. That definitely didn't come from God. See, when I even use the vocabulary, I'm, I, need, I need to treat those words like curse words. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, hey, just don't say you're worried. Don't say you, I mean, you're actually cracking the door open to Satan. As a believer, when I say, oh, I'm so worried about that, or I'm so afraid of that, I'm so troubled by this, I'm opening the door that allows Satan to come in and, and really mess with me in that area. Not that he can possess me, that can't happen, but he certainly can suppress me. He can influence me. And so when I acknowledge that I have worry or fear, I'm inviting him to expand that, explode that in my life. Because when that happens, what happens to my faith? Well, my faith goes out the back door. And without that faith, I can't please God. Work on getting those words out of vocabulary. Every time you say it, just stop and just say, wait a minute, that's not legitimate. That's just not legitimate. And if you're used to saying it a lot, it may take you some time to stop saying it, to stop expressing it. Isaiah 9, 6 tells us and reminds us that a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
prince of peace. Now there's my answer. When I worry, when I troubled, I need to talk to the prince of peace and not to the father of lies. I need to talk to the prince of peace, not the source of worry and fear. I need to go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I am so troubled and I'm so troubled about this situation. Will you overwhelm me with your peace? Don't you think that's a prayer that Jesus would love to answer for you? Now, if I'm going to have peace of God, well, you can have peace even when you are alone. Even when you're alone. Joshua 1, 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Now, you may go, well, that's an Old Testament promise to some guys that aren't around anymore. Well, but this, it's, a, it's about the character of God that we're seeing here. This is God's character. I will not fail you or abandon you. And Jesus even backed that up in Matthew 28, 20. Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will not fail you or abandon you. So even when I'm alone, I'm not. You can have peace of God about your needs. I mean, Jesus really confronted this one in Matthew 6. He said, so don't worry about these things. What, what am I going to eat? And what, what are we going to drink? And what are we going to wear? And, and the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So that's Jesus' nice way of saying, hey, when you worry about these things, you're acting just like a non-believer. He says, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So you can have a peace about your needs because you have peace with God and you have peace of God. My peace of God, my everyday peace includes knowing all my needs are going to be met. Not my wants and not my selfish desires, but my needs. And sometimes we get a little confused about the definition between a want and a need. See, sometimes you look at something or you see something and you think you cannot live without it. That does not make it a need. And God promises, I'm going to always give you what you need. And so if he doesn't give it to you, guess what? You didn't need it. Another thing about the peace of God, you can have peace of God even during your storms. Some of you, you've come out of some serious storms. Some of you are right in the middle of a storm right now. Or maybe there's a storm right down the road. Now, we've all been living in the same storm for the last year and a half. But let's look at what he says and what Jesus says. 
the disciples were troubled. Uh, they were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they were far from the land, and a strong wind arose, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Now, let's be honest. If you were in that boat too, you would have, I mean, you would have said, yeah, there's, that's a ghost. <laughs> I, I, I mean, when, when we're in the midst of our storms, we, we see demons everywhere. <laughs> I mean, we, we, just, we just see trouble everywhere, and we're overwhelmed by that, and, and we, we tr struggle with peace. But in the middle of this massive storm that was a physical storm, and for you, sometimes it's an em emotional storm. Maybe it's a marriage storm. Maybe it's a financial storm. But in the midst of it, Jesus is saying to you, take courage. I'm here. And that's enough. I'm sufficient. I wonder if it would help you the next time you're in that storm, you remind yourself, Jesus, I know you're here. It doesn't feel like it, but I know you are. And I'm going to choose to live by faith, not by faith feelings. My feelings say, I don't see the end of this storm, the end of this situation, but my faith says, you're here and I'll be okay. And you'll get me through it. Now, I do want to say this. Jesus talked about being with you to the end of the age. He's not talking about the end of all time. He, he's just talking about the end of age of this world. Because then you go to heaven. You might deal with a storm your entire life here on earth. And Jesus will still never abandon you. You, you may have moments of peace, but... It may feel like you're just going into one storm after another. But Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be with you even in that very last storm right before you go with me to heaven. I'll, I'm there. And I'm enough. I'm sufficient. Which means to me, you can have peace during your times of sadness and loss. I mean, sadness and loss is real, and the Bible no nowhere tells us to deny it. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't tell us not to grieve or mourn. I mean, when you lose a family member or you lose a friend, and many of us have in this period of the COVID, and and, um, and even in your great sadness and in your in your loss. There's this underlying peace that you just sense that is there. It's kind of like, man, I hate what I'm going through. And, and, and this sadness is just overwhelming. But I know Jesus is with me. I know he's going to get me through this. I know 
I know it's going to be okay. I know I'm going to be okay. See, those are statements of faith, not denying the loss, not denying the hurt, not denying the sadness, but those are the statements of faith that remind you of why you're going to get through it. So we have peace with God. We have peace of God. Now, what about that personal peace? God was talking to Samuel, and he said, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. Now, you know you do, right? You size people up real quick just by the way they look, and you are being like, not God in that moment. He says, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want to suggest to you that sometimes you have missed out on some of the most wonderful relationships because you made a judgment call just from the outside appearance that you didn't have an opportunity to see that amazing, wonderful heart that was inside that person. Are you at peace with God regarding to how he made you? Do you feel that judgmental eye from people when they look at you and you just say, I don't measure up to their standards? So what? Don't care about that. I mean, be like what was said in Psalms 139 and say this to God. Every time you feel rejected, every time that you feel like somebody has sized you up by your looks, and every time you feel like you're shortchanged, and I want to tell you, we are just watching what people put on Facebook and Instagram, we are getting consumed by our looks. Listen to what you need to do. David said, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. The next time you're insecure about who you are and how you look and all that, just go to the psalm and say, thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. That's talking about the inward stuff. Your workmanship is marvelous because you don't make junk. So find that personal peace that God molded you. He gave you a temperament. He gave you a personality. He gave you spiritual gifts. He created you, and he didn't make a mistake. The world wants to look at the flaws, but God looks at your heart. And and then one last area, you, you you can have peace with others. Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace. You want a blessing from God? Jesus gave you an answer. Work for peace. For they will be called children of God, meaning peace with each other, uh, teaching people how to reconcile, helping somebody reconcile with another person. That that is a blessing from God when you do that. And uh, in fact, In Romans 12, 18, it says, do all you can to live in peace with everyone, knowing it might not always be possible. But he said, do all that you can. 
So the question then is, how can I be a peacemaker? If that's a, if that's a way to be blessed and to be called a child of God, I want to be a peacemaker. In fact, we're all called to be peacemakers. So in other words, take the initiative. Here, here's what Jesus said about this. He said, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice, go there at, uh, there at the altar, go and reconcile with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Well, that pretty much tells you how important this issue is with God. Take the initiative. Secondly, emphasize, empathize with others. Romans 15, 2, who should help others do what is right or build them up in the Lord? I'm, I'm sorry, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Hmm. I, I need to help others. I need to build them up in the Lord. I need to encourage them. I need to empathize with what they're going through. A third thing, focus on the issue, <clears throat> not the person. Ephesians 4, uh, don't use foul or abusive language. And that's becoming so common today. Oh, my goodness. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Wow. This is the great prayer to pray every time you're getting ready to meet with somebody. Lord, let me say what is good and helpful. Let me give words of encouragement. Let me help this person be built up in who they are with you. Man, you pray prayers like that, God says, all right, I'm all in. I'm going to join you in this. I'm going to help you with this. Number four, make reconciliation the aim, not resolution. Here's the difference. Reconciliation is settling the relationship, making it right. Resolution is settling every single issue. You know, I've got my big 50th high school graduation reunion next year. And, you know, how would it feel if somebody came up to me and said, you remember in the first grade when you said this to me? And I'm sitting there going, I don't remember you. <laughs> I mean, you know, you kind of have this fear somebody's going to come up to you and remind you of all the things you did to hurt them or antagonize them or, or the way you offended them. And, and I will tell you what, you know, you can just say, hey, I, I apologize. But, but if they want to go over every single issue, there's not enough time. <laughs> I mean, that's not the point. You, you don't worry about trying to settle every single issue. Focus on settling the relationship. I and mean, we've, all, we've all had our idiot moments. And we need to apologize, of course. But with the focus on reconciling the relationship. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it says, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And here it is. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That's for every believer. God has given you and myself the task of reconciling people to him. That, that means that we let Jesus shine through us. That means we build relationships with people so that we have the opportunity just to tell our story and what Jesus did for us. On October the 31st, you've already started seeing some of the publicity on this. We have Clayton King that's going to be with us. And periodically we bring in the evangelist. Um, there's, we're, we're all gifted to help reconcile people to God because that's a command that's given to all of us and we're all called to do that. But there's some that are the evangelists who knows how to draw in the net and but we're all called to be fishermen. And so it's an opportunity, you know, if, over the next 40 days for you to pray and just say, Lord, who is it in my life that I can help reconcile them to you? And don't let sharing your faith be a nervous thing for you. But just build the relationship and say, you know, I, I'm going to build a relationship with this person and, and I'm going to take the initiative to invite them so that they will hear a clear understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. That's reconciling people to him. So do your part in helping people to know about Jesus. Let people have the opportunity to experience the peace that you experience. Let people know they don't have to live with that fear of God's wrath any longer. So let's pray. And as we're praying, I'll, I'll be here at the front there may be some of you, you don't have that peace with God, and I'd love to just share with you or pray with you about your personal relationship with Jesus. There, there's some of you, you're overwhelmed with fears and emotions, and you, you just want to get rid of that. You, you want to live in the, the way that God has called you to live, and, and some of you want to help reconcile others to Christ. So... The invitation time. I'll be here at the front. You can come pray with me. You come pray by yourself. You can come pray about that person you want to help reconcile to God. Whatever, whatever will help bring peace with God, the peace of God, the peace of God, or peace within yourself. We want to minister to you. Let's pray.